that Pastor Jamie kicked off last week on the masquerade. And uh, it was a good series. Last week we talked about, Pastor Jamie talked about um, uh, hiding, right? The masquerade is this idea that we wear masks and we hide. And so last week he talked about how we hide from God. He looked at Genesis. He went all the way back to the beginning and uh, in the Garden of Eden and how uh, when we sin, we hide from God. But God comes and looks for us anyways. We feel like we have to hide, like we have to cover ourselves, stay away from God, right? But that's just a lie and how God is actually there looking for us. And so this week we're um, going to be looking at um, part two. And part two is all about this. Did it go? I can't. Uh, self-deception. That's what we're talking about. We're talking about self-deception, okay? And so here's the thing. Well, I wonder if I bend the page this way, if it'll work. There we go. Okay. Yes. So, self-deception. Have you ever noticed that, um, how many, like, some of us wear glasses, right? Any hands about people who wear glasses? I can't see your hands anyways, but. Um, have you ever gone and gotten a new prescription and realized that your eyesight was terrible? Like with your old glasses, and you get new ones, and it's like, wow, I can actually see things again, right? Okay. So that's kind of what it's like wearing these glasses. The thing is, the longer... That's the thing about um, self-deception. That was a lot harder than I thought it was going to be. I was kind of getting a headache. Uh, Wow, those are strong. The thing is, is uh, self-deception, right? So deception is when we exchange a truth for a lie come out and say, um, that's what, that's what self-deception is. That's what deception is, is exchanging truth for a lie. And, and what I was trying to do with those glasses before I started to get a little nauseous and kind of, they're like an, an eight or something. They're like really bad. And the whole room was, was curved as that. Um, when you believe a lie long enough, you forget, you don't even notice that it's there anymore. You think that that is the truth and that is reality. Just like when you wear glasses and your eyesight changes a little bit and things get a little fuzzy, you're wearing them all the time. You don't notice. And when you're wearing glasses or contacts, you're not aware of them all the time when you're wearing them. You just kind of forget about them. They're just there. It's how you see things, right? For those of us who wear glasses, we, you know, we understand that, that, you know, it's the same with, you know, you get um, certain, you know, aches or pains or different things. They just kind of fade into the background. Right? And they just become a part of your reality, and they're just there. And so deception is a lot like this. And so we're going to talk about um, self-deception for the next couple of minutes. It's, uh, it's a really important and, uh, and, and tough discussion. So here, um, so here we go. We're going to start by looking in Romans chapter 1, verses 18 to 25. Romans 1, 18 to 25. For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men, who by their unrighteousness suppress the truth. For what can be known about God is plain to them, because God has shown it to them. For his invisible attributes, namely his eternal power and divine nature, have been clearly perceived ever since the creation of the world in the things that have been made, 
So they are without excuse. For although they knew God, they did not honor him as God or give thanks to him, but they became futile in their thinking, and their foolish hearts were darkened. Claiming to be wise, they became fools, and exchanged the glory of the immortal God for images resembling mortal man and birds and animals and creeping things. Therefore, God gave them up in the lust of their hearts to impurity, to the, to the dishonoring of their bodies among themselves. Because they exchanged the truth about God for a lie and worshipped and served the, cre- the creature rather than the creator who is blessed forever. Amen. All right. So there's Paul in a very hard-hitting passage. He goes on to then um, give us a description of what um, culture looks like, what humanity begins to look like as they become more and more deceived and wander further and further away from God. But the big thing out of this passage is right near the end, he says they exchanged um, truth for a lie. And, and we can link this right back to Pastor Jamie's sermon last week in the garden, right? They knew God, they walked with God, and then they were deceived by the serpent. And they, and they were deceived and they, and they took his lie as truth. And they, and they put away God's truth and said it was a lie. And they were deceived. And then everything in that verse happened. And we become foolish and our hearts have been darkened. And... You know, you see the state of the world today. And so here's the thing is, we, we are all um, victims of deception. We'll throw this up too. Yes, okay. So like I said before, I was hoping to wear the glasses up until this point. Didn't get there. The longer you believe a lie, the harder it is to recognize it. Okay? And in Psalms 36, this is what David... Um, wrote to us and said to us. And it's kind of funny because um, as North Americans and Europeans, we kind of, as modern day people, we kind of take this uh, really proud stance to history and we say we're so much smarter and more advanced and more evolved than people way back in the day were. But let's, let's see what David had to say about the human condition. So verses 1 to 3. Transgression speaks to the wicked deep in his heart. There is no fear of God before his eyes. For he flatters himself in his own eyes that his iniquity cannot be found out and hated. The words of his mouth are trouble and deceit. He has ceased to act wisely and do good. Sounds a lot like today. And so the thing out of there is, what he's saying is, is that as they do bad, more and more bad, they kind of talk themselves up, they celebrate it, and it stops being bad. And he can't see good anymore. And we exchange the lie, or we exchange truth for lies. And so we are all victims of deception. But let's start big talking about this. Last week really hit on this. Adam and Eve were, de- were deceived by the serpent and they sinned. Right? They sinned because they were tricked and lied to. Still their fault, their responsibility. They didn't trust God. Right? But they were deceived. It wasn't uh, just a total solo thing going on. Right? And so we are all deceived. And so in our lives... Um, we are all deceived. We're deceived by our culture, the one in which we're raised, right? Canadian culture um, deceives us. Um, Our um, values, our family can sometimes deceive us. The things that people speak over you can deceive you. Um, Friends, teachers, co-workers, um, televangelists, and uh, other... Oh, did I say that? Um... Some are great, some 
I would uh, be cautious about. Um, you know, the Oprah channel, very deceptive, by the way. She says lots of great things. Sounds great, right? But we are deceived by our culture, external influences, external things that come to us and speak lies and whisper lies into our hearts, and we believe them. And so we're victims to that, right? I think that's um, a little, that's a bit easier to accept, Um, right? We can say, yeah, I'm a victim. Yeah, you know what? These things, people say lies to me. My culture lies to me. I'm a victim. This isn't that great, right? And, and it's true. And so that's easier to accept um, for most of us. Um, for some, unless, you know, we really like the lies that we're being sold. And because the thing about our culture is it doesn't matter who we elect. This, this election's going on and, and I can't wait for it to be over because then my Facebook news um, things on Facebook can just go back to normal. And people can post pictures of cats and other things rather than posting crazy articles about this political thing and that political thing and all these things. The, the, the truth about politics is, is they're all fallen human beings and they're all selfish. And they all want the power of being prime minister. And we know if we look back far enough and track other records, politicians lie. They answer the question that they wish they'd been asked, not the question they were asked. Right? That's why they, you never get a straight answer from them. Because they're always spinning and selling things. And so it doesn't matter who we elect. It's not going to save this country. So, right? And as Christians, that's what, that, that's what we believe, right? And the, and the world around us, everyone's so concerned. And I'm saying we shouldn't be concerned. We should be concerned and we should all vote. And we should all do our research. But it's not going to save us. And when things don't go the way we hope they, sh- they should, we shouldn't be totally heartbroken and despair. Because they can't save us. In the same way, uh, the stuff that we have, cannot save us. The money that we earn, pursuing happiness and the things that make us feel good and pleasure, um, getting the new iPhone will not make your life better, right? These are just things that our culture deceives us on that tells us, right? If you just get the new iPhone that comes out every year, your life will be so much better, right? And the commercials are so cool. I know this is the North. We don't care about things like that, right? It's a bigger boat. It's a nicer gun or... uh, you know, stuff, right? But our culture is so materialistic and it's, it's the stuff you own, the stuff you have, the people you associate yourself with, all those types of things. Um, they speak into who you are and we accept those things. What's harder to accept is that while we're victims of deception, we actually are also um, perpetrators. We actually deceive ourselves as well. We're not only victims, we're also at fault. And we could talk about how we deceive other people because we deceive other people all the time. We're not totally honest all the time, are we? With other people? We don't, we, we never use, have, we've never used people in our past or said things to make ourselves look better or not look as bad, right? When we do that, we're deceiving people. But we deceive ourselves. Like in these verses, it talks about um, what happens is when we choose We've chosen to worship the creation, and we've really chosen to worship ourselves rather than God, and so we deceive ourselves. And so when we start to make up excuses, when we start to justify things, when we start to um, tell things, you know, say, well, this isn't that bad, or I like this, and we, you know, sometimes people even will go in the Bible, and they'll look around, and they know, they have, you know, they're feeling convicted by the Holy Spirit, but they keep searching and searching and searching until they find some verse that works, and they say, well, nope, I, I can sleep with my girlfriend because... 
uh, everything is permissible in Christ. You know, we're free to do those things. I'll, you know, whatever. Like, well, you're taking the verse out of context, but, you know. But people do those sorts of things, right? We deceive ourselves. And we do it a lot of times without even realizing it. We have all bought into lies, told ourselves lies, believed lies, not just from external, but from within ourselves as well. And those can be harder to deal with, harder to recognize. But it's, it's so important that we do, right? And this is, uh, a lot of times has to do with um, the Psalms. He talks about iniquity and transgression. Those words are talking about intentional sin. It's not just sin. It's when we know something's wrong, but we do it anyways because we like it. Because it's convenient. Because it's not that big of a deal. Right? God doesn't care that much. God will understand. He'll forgive me. Those types of things, right? We're just deceiving ourselves. We're just justifying. That's what's, that's what's going on. And so when we sin, you could, you could look at it partly that when we sin, and it has to do with we've been deceived externally, right? right? We sinned because we bought the lies, and it's our fault for buying them, but we bought the lies that others have sold to us. But iniquity and transgression is when we buy the lies that we're selling to ourselves, and we do it anyways, and we keep going. And so the, let's take a closer look at this. There's a couple of um, ways and reasons why we deceive ourselves. So, how do we deceive ourselves? Uh, we deceive ourselves with our pride. Pride is all about um, being self-sufficient. I don't need anyone. I don't need God. The rules. You know, the Bible says this, but there's a little star next to it that says, unless your name is Andrew Pilkey, then you're okay, you know, to do this once in a while. Right, our, our pride. We deceive ourselves and say, I'm above the rules, I'm better than this, I don't need this, this isn't, you know, this doesn't apply to me, all those types of things, right? It's our pride, it's our need to um, not be reliant on someone else. I was having a conversation with someone even last night over Facebook um, about laziness. And laziness is pride. And God had to convict me of that because I was really lazy, because I was really good at school, and I got really proud and said, I don't need to study, I don't need to work hard, because I'm good enough, and I can do it on my own. I can have fun now, and do my work later, because I'm good enough. I'm awesome. Right? I don't need to work hard, it's all good. I can be lazy, I can enjoy sitting around and not doing anything, because I deserve it. I haven't worked for it, but I deserve it. That's what laziness is, right? You're not working to earn rest. You're just resting all the time and you think you deserve it anyways. And God had to convict me of that. And I, the one regret that I have is that I was lazy and procrastination is laziness, by the way. And we celebrate that in our culture, right? We brag about how often we procrastinate, right? But it's, it's laziness and God showed me it was actually pride in my life and it actually was robbing me and robbing... Um, of life and a lot of things. And it takes a long time to break those habits and to get out of those things. And uh, that was a hard pill for me to swallow. And we, because after a certain point, what happens is, or at least for me, what God did to me to, to, is uh, 
to get a hold of me was that when you're lazy and you procrastinate, it only works as well as your abilities go. As soon as your natural giftings and abilities kind of start to hit their limit with what you have to do, so like college, the work all of a sudden gets harder and I can't you know, write an essay the night before because you actually have to have so many sources and they're not as easy to read and your professors you know, actually look for good, well-thought-out arguments, right? Then the procrastination and the laziness kind of sputter out and you kind of start failing and washing out. And then I look at someone like my sister who was told she would never, um, she shouldn't take academic in high school and she'll never go to university, who just finished speaking at a conference in Vegas while she's doing her master's thesis on Canada-U.S. relations between the University of New York and uh, Brock. And she was told, you'll never, you, you shouldn't even try and do academic in high school. Right? But she just kept working and working and built the habits. And she works really hard. And somehow she manages to still have a social life. But she's gone way further in her education than anyone else in my family. And she was the least um, naturally smart person, right? But we all got proud and lazy and procrastinated. That's just a little aside. So we deceive ourselves with our pride. We also de- deceive ourselves with our fear. When we're scared, when we don't want to face things, we don't want to face the truth, right? Some, it hurts or it's difficult. Maybe, you know, we don't want to face the fact of our pride, right? Um, we don't want to face the reality of our circumstances or actions, so we just kind of wish them away or, or justify them or do different things away, and we just kind of bury them and hide them, right? We hide like Adam and Eve hid, Instead of just coming out and saying, yeah, we ate the apple, we're sorry, they ran away like they could hide from God, but we do that. And we also deceive ourselves with our ignorance, with our lack of knowledge and understanding. Everyone has blind spots. We talk about people and say, oh, they just have a blind spot towards this, right? They're just not aware of it, or they've never gone in. Oh, I just didn't know that, right? And sometimes we'll take it so far and say, well, don't tell me that. I don't want to know. If I don't know, I don't have to be responsible for it, right? Ignorance is bliss, we say. Um, but we see in Romans, what God said is, just because you don't know doesn't mean you're not responsible. Right? He says, we're all without excuse. Just because you don't understand or just because, you know, you're... You don't go there, you know, if I don't read my Bible and then I don't know what's bad, then it doesn't matter, you know, because I didn't know. And God's, you know, hey God, I didn't know, you know, just give me a slap on the wrists, right? Sometimes people do that, right? People will say, well, I'm just not going to become a Christian or look at it until I'm almost dead. And then I'll go there, right? And God does take our ignorance into account for and our lack of knowledge and he gives us grace. But when we begin to choose ignorance over truth, we're just deceiving ourselves. And so there's lots of other ways probably we could talk about and think about. Um, Oh, I went went ahead. That's okay. In which we deceive ourselves. But I think those are the three big sweeping things. I must have just kept clicking through, right? Okay. All right. So... But there's a reason why it's a big deal. Because we could say, oh, why is it really a big deal? Ignorance is bliss. I'm happy. Don't go there, please. You're pushing on some sore spots. I'm pushing on sore spots in my own life, convicted of things even yesterday. But there are are some serious consequences to self-deception. 
There's some serious consequences to deception in general. But when we deceive ourselves, it's, it's, it's even harder. The thing is, is that instead of being free, like we tell ourselves, you know, I'm free to make my own choices. I'm free to play now and work later. I'm free for this. I'm, you know, and my life is so much better. We're actually slaves. We are slaves to those lies that we've bought. They actually control you and define you. They become a part of your identity and they become controlling. If you buy into the lie of procrastination and laziness like I did, it started to own me because then when I wanted to stop, I couldn't. It was really, really hard. It's still hard. Because that became my thought patterns and my habits and all those things. And studies are actually showing and showing how the brain actually changes and develops over time. And the more you think something and believe something, it creates a pathway in your brain. And that pathway, the more it's accessed, becomes, goes from a dirt road to a road to a highway to a superhighway. And that's why your mind just goes somewhere sometimes. You know, after you've been thinking things and it's hard to break habits, is because your brain has to relearn how to understand and know the world. It's kind of crazy. But we're actually slaves to those things. And, and we could pull up tons of verses, and, and, uh, but the Bible talks very clearly about how we are slaves to sin. We are slaves to these things. We are not free. In North America, we think we are free individuals. I make my own destiny. We don't. That's what, that's what people believe in our culture. They take it so far, right? Basically, you're saying you're, you are your own God. But you're actually a slave. The other thing is that you, you're actually ineffective rather than being effective. Sometimes the, the, the lies, they, they, um, we deceive ourselves into thinking that this is uh, the best life for me, that this is what's going to make life awesome for me, right? I'm going to be happy, I'm going to have all the stuff, I'm going to do all these things, right? But what ends up happening is you actually, when you buy into these lies, you actually become ineffective in your life and ineffective in your purpose, and you actually live a life that is less than human. Right? That's why when the Bible talks about us and sin, it doesn't just talk about us being bad and we need a little bit of understanding change. It talks about us being dead in our sin and how we need to be made new and transformed. The way that Jesus offers is not just a list of good rules so we can get into heaven, but it's actually a whole new way to understand how it is to be a human being. The rules are not there because God wants us to be good. They are there because that is what it actually means to be human. When we when we actually look at what the Bible teaches and how Jesus lived his life and what Jesus had to say, that is what real humanity actually looks like. And it's awesome. And that's why you see certain, like we see the saints and we look at them, you know, certain people who, are, or who just seem to really understand God and they're just so peaceful and joyful no matter their circumstances and all these things, right? It doesn't matter what life throws at them. Right? And we see these people of great faith, and, we, and, and there are our examples, right? And it's because they understand, and they're living and trusting God, and they see life totally different than they do otherwise. And your life is actually more effective when you don't buy those lies. You actually end up living life more fully. Right? But it, we're deceived. We don't think that. The other thing is, um, we struggle in our relationship with God... Um, rather than being transformed, right? We look at the Bible and it talks all the time about us being transformed, being made new, growing in our faith, all these things. But sometimes it just feels like we just keep circling the same sins. 
the same struggles, the same ups and downs, right? And we see what's in the Bible, and it doesn't actually apply to us. It doesn't seem like it applies to me. Wow, you know, it seems to be working for these people over there, and, you know, it's awesome they talk about how, you know, your life changes, and great, Paul, you know, he went from killing people to, like, being a missionary, but, you know, I just can't seem to get past this one thing. Well, maybe, you're, maybe you buy into a lie about it, and you're a slave to it. And you can't actually, your, your relationship with God gets stunted, and it struggles when we choose to buy lies, when we choose to buy lies over the truth and over Jesus, right? Because you can connect that to, well, I want, you know, you may say this, God, but I want this. Well, then you're putting yourself in God's place and saying, you know what, God, you don't know best for my life. I know best for my life. And lots of other things. Sometimes it's not quite that rude with God. Sometimes it's, it's, it's out of hurt and all these things, right? And we just don't want to go there. But we struggle in our relationship and we struggle and we struggle when we are buying into lies. Right? It has been a struggle for humanity ever since. And you know you're in these places and you're going there when you're making a lot of excuses, when you're making a lot of just, justifications, and when you get really critical. I was a really lazy person, procrastinating person, because I was really proud, and I had a really critical spirit when I was in high school and for a number of years in Bible college. I didn't want to be. The thing is, sometimes you see, you notice what's wrong. You know, man, I'm, I'm like, don't think very nice things about people sometimes. Or, you know, I'm always making excuses for being late, and I can't seem to beat it, right? But you see some of the signs, and you don't like them, and maybe you try and tackle them and beat the habits out of you. But the problem is you don't really get anywhere because there's deeper root issues going on. There's, there's deeper roots. And God wants to take you to actually see what those roots are and deal with those. And when you begin to deal with the roots, you'll see other pieces begin to fall away. And so when we're making excuses, when we're justifying our actions, when we're being really critical of people rather than being grace-filled, there's something off. There's something not right. And so what's the solution? Because we're all deceived by something. None of us is perfect. We've all got things that we're struggling with. What's the solution? Anyone want to take a guess? It's really obvious. Jesus. Yes, the truth. The truth, capital T. If we exchange lie, if we exchange the truth for lies then maybe we should exchange our lies for the truth again. Seems really simple, right? If I believe this lie, then maybe I should stop believing the lie and I should believe the truth, right? If it's so simple, why, why haven't we figured it out yet? Maybe it's because it goes so deep that we can't. It goes, it goes so deep, our deception is so deep within us, right, that we are just broken and we can't see the forest through the trees, right? right? And that's what it talks about this, like, all, all the time. And that's what even those passages in Romans are talking about, right? Because we put ourselves ahead of God and we put our priorities out of line. And so it doesn't matter as much as we try. It doesn't matter 
You can read as many self-help books as you want and become as kind and mindful of the world around you as you want. You'll never actually solve the problem. Because the problem is deep within us. It's so deep that God actually had to come himself and deal with the problem himself because we couldn't deal with it. That's what we believe. And so, a couple things about truth. First is, the truth is Jesus. Okay? Capital T, truth. The truth. We live in a postmodern culture that says, what's good for you is good for you, right for you, right for you, what's right for me can be something else entirely. Well, that doesn't make sense, and our culture doesn't actually believe that because we have laws that punish people for things that they believe are okay. We don't think that pedophiles are okay. We don't think that people who hurt animals are okay. We actually think that people who hurt animals are worse than people who hurt kids. Right? We're... The funny thing about our culture is the more we talk about tolerance, the more intolerant our culture becomes. Because our culture believes this lie that to be tolerant of someone and to like someone or love someone, you have to agree with every single thing they say. And you can't disagree. And if you disagree, then you don't like them. That's a new idea. Okay? Back a couple hundred years ago, people used to actually have debates where they didn't just yell and shout down at each other and make, you know, call each other nasty names. They would actually sit and listen to something for a long time that they absolutely disagreed with and were probably offended by, and then they would respond thoughtfully and kindly. And they would have an actual debate. People used to be friends. Um, Benjamin Franklin, okay? He was a deist. He believed in not the Christian God. He believed in a God that just kind of made things and took off for some other part of the galaxy and left things on their own. And he was really great friends with a guy named George Whitfield. George Whitfield, if you haven't heard of him, was one of the greatest evangelists of the Great Awakening. He actually um, helped the Wesley brothers become Christians. He was their servant in university because if you were rich, you went to university for free, and if you were poor, you became a servant of the rich people so you could get your education. So he was their servant and helped lead them to Jesus while they were in seminary because they were going to Bible college and weren't Christians. And he would preach the crowds of thousands and thousands of people without a microphone, and people could hear him. And he rode around, and most of North America at the time heard him preach. And he was great friends with Ben Franklin, and they tried to convert each other all the time. And they totally disagreed with each other on so many things, but they could still be friends. Can't do that in our culture. Right? We're afraid to open our mouths about things that we disagree with because we're going to get judged. Because they're going to feel like we're judging them, and then they're going to get mean and nasty and all these things, right? Even though it's kind of ridiculous. But the truth is, we as Christians believe that Jesus is the truth. Capital T, truth. The truth is not a list of rules. The truth is not some things you need to do. The truth is not, you know, a way of life. The truth is a person. We believe that truth is a person. That the truth is God. And this is what... And Jesus talked about it all this time. I, I was reading in John, and I had a hard time picking what scripture I wanted to read because he keeps talking about truth. And how if you believe me... You know God. And if you don't know or believe me, then you don't know God and you don't know the truth and you don't know what's going on. It makes it really simple. But this is what he says in John 14, verse 6. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Okay? Really simple. He says, I am the way. And when he says, I am, he uses the name for God, Yahweh. It's not just saying, I am. He's saying, God's name, the truth, it's like a play on words to really insult them. Right? People say, Jesus didn't call himself God. 
said, yeah, he did all the time, and that's why they murdered him. He says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. So you need to know that Jesus is the truth. What Jesus said, how Jesus lived his life, all those things, it's the truth. It is the reality about this world. If Jesus says the world is a certain way, he's the authority on it. That's what we as Christians believe, right? And that's why in other parts of the world, people don't like Christians. Or in our world, right? Because we kind of say, oh, actually the world is this way, and the world goes, no, it's not. And we don't back down on it because we can't. The other thing about truth is that truth, um, or Jesus, sets you free. Freedom is found in truth. That is where actual, real, tangible, solid freedom, transformation is found, is in Jesus, in the truth. And not just in saying, I believe in you, Jesus, and I'm going to keep walking and doing my own thing, but in actually being with Jesus, learning about him, praying to him, talking to him, letting him speak into your life. And so in John 8, 31 to 36, Jesus says this. So Jesus said to the Jews who had believed in him, If you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples, and you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. And they answered him, We are offspring of Abraham and have never been a slave to anyone. How is it that you say you will become free? So the Jews had this funny idea that because their physical ancestor was Abraham, and they have been slaves lots of times, so they're kind of delusional, that they were better than everybody else. And Jesus answered them, Truly, truly, I say to you, everyone who commits sin is a slave. They are a slave to sin. The slave does not remain in the house forever. The son remains forever. So if the son sets you free, you will be free indeed. And then there's that old gospel chorus. The son sets free is free indeed. Hallelujah. The truth, Jesus sets you free. From all the lies, from all the deception. That's how simple and basic it is and obvious. And that's what Jesus just kept coming and saying. He said to Pilate when he was being questioned by Pilate before he was executed. You know, he says, my, king, my kingdom's not of this world, and for this reason, I came into the world to testify to the truth. And then Pilate says, what is truth? Right? He's ahead of his time. 2,000 years, he's a postmodern 2,000 years beforehand. What is truth? And Jesus says, it's me. And you need to understand this. You need to get this. Self-help books will not help you. Or blog posts, or cute little Instagram pictures, or Facebook pictures that have nice little quotes on them to make you feel good about life. They're not going to help you all that much. doesn't mean that there's not conventional wisdom that can be helpful. But it's not going to set you free. So, how do we actually do this? Because this is kind of hard. Is this hard? I think it's hard, because I haven't figured it out yet. Right? This is not easy. So how do we actually do this? How do we actually exchange the lies back for truth? How do we actually, you know, let Jesus set us free? How do we do it? So there's a couple of things. First, we need to know the truth. We need to know Jesus. And not just say, yeah, Jesus was here and he died and he came back to life and then he went back up to heaven. But know that Jesus is the truth. 
that he is God and what he has to say and what he did actually matters and is actually the reality about this world. Right? That Jesus is actually Lord. Jesus is Lord. He is the king of our world and of everything and has all authority. You have to believe that and know that. Know him personally. It can't just be an idea somewhere in the back of your brain that doesn't affect your life. You have to know him personally because he's a person. That's the nice thing. Because he's a person, it's not just this, this idea that we have to work towards and try and understand and grasp better like in Buddhism and stuff and they do all their meditations because they're just trying to understand their, this wisdom and truth. We actually just have a person that we can actually speak to and talk to and get to know. It's awesome. It's way better. It makes way more sense. We have a hard time grasping it and understanding it because we're so caught up in the lies. Right? We don't get it because we're deceived. But it, it's, it's the truth. This is a person and it makes way more sense than anything else that we come up with. The second thing is we need to surrender everything to him. We need to let him actively, intentionally into our lives and allow him to expose the lies and trade it with himself. We need to give it up. Because if we can't and don't give it up, and God is gracious, that's the wonderful thing about our God, is is his love and his grace and his mercy. He doesn't force himself on us. His grace is more than sufficient for us, so it doesn't matter if you, when you die you haven't figured this out totally yet. Right? All he says is you have to believe in me and trust me. Right? But if we want to grow and transform, we have to begin to surrender to him everything. Because anything we hold on to, we're saying, you know, that's pride. It's me over you, God. I'm not going, this, this is too important to me or this hurts too much or all these things. We are holding on to it and withholding it from the God who created us. So you, you, you actually can't, you can't grow because you're holding on to it, right? So we have to surrender to him, which is hard. And it's something that we'll do for the rest of our lives. And maybe you've noticed the longer you're a Christian, the more aware of your sin you are, right? It's just, it never ends. But it gets better, and it's awesome. So you have to do that, okay? Now, how do we do that? How do we surrender? I had a, a student asking me this recently. He's like, how do you actually surrender? How do you do it? Like, I don't get it, Right? And it's one of those things we sing about and we say, I'm going to do, but how do we actually do it? So it takes humility, the opposite of pride. It takes us humbling ourselves and saying, you know what, God? I do not know how to run my own life better than you do. You, you know, like I, I, can't, I can't run my life. I can't control my life and make it the best. You actually have a better way for me. You know, actually, I'm not as smart as I think I am, God. You're actually smarter than me. Right? All those things. We need to dismantle our pride and let God be God and us be the creation that he created us to be. And that's hard. It takes work. It's something that just constantly happens. But it actually makes our lives a whole lot less stressful and a lot easier. Because it's a lot of work to try and control your own life and run your own life and make yourself happy and make everything work great. The second thing it takes is honesty. If we deceive ourselves and we hide from our fears, we need to be honest. We need to be honest about our pride and our humility and we need to be honest just in general. Sometimes we go to God and we pray to Him, but the really half-hearted prayers, they just kind of roll off. They're not really deeply honest. God, this is actually how I feel today. If you read through the Psalms, it's okay to be mad. It's okay to be upset. It's okay to question. 
David, a man after God's own heart who was a worshiper, would say things like, God, where are you? Why have you, you know, left me alone? Why have you forsaken me? All these things, right? He actually was brutally honest and brought his feelings and thoughts and all these things to God. We need to be honest because if we're not honest, we can't deal with things, right? Just like in our, in our other relationships, our everyday relationships. You can't, you know, go to marriage counseling if you're having troubles in your marriage and walk away with a better marriage if you're not honest with each other because then you're not actually dealing with anything. You're not dealing with anything if you're not honest. So we have to be honest with God. And the thing is, God already knows anyways. He just wants us to admit it and figure it out, right? Just like in the garden, right? If we connect last week's sermon, right? We're all worried and have to hide and we're worried that God's going to be all mad at us. But God is there looking for us and seeking us out, trying to find us because he loves us and wants better for us. He's not searching for us so he can give us a good whooping because he's mad at us. He's searching for us so he can save us and help us and rescue us. It takes honesty, humility, and it takes learning. It takes actually getting the truth inside of you. If we never read our Bibles, if we never come to church and listen to good teaching, or go to you know, other groups where we can get good, solid teaching and, ex- and explanation, because sometimes we read the Bible and it's really confusing. It's confusing for me sometimes, and I spent four years at school. Right? It's okay. It's God. Right? If we don't get the truth into us, then there's no truth for us to be honest with and, and humble with and interact with. Right? If you don't know the truth, how can, how can you exchange the lies or even know what the lies are if you don't know what the truth is? You have to learn what the truth is. Right? And we do that primarily through Scripture. Right? How do you know that the thoughts in your head are the Holy Spirit's whisperings if you haven't read the Scripture, the Bible, to know if God would say something like that or not? Right? That's what separates Christians from the crazy people. God told me to go shoot this person. Well, did you read your Bible? Well, the parts that talk about killing people, did you read the whole thing? No. Well, God wouldn't tell you to go shoot somebody. Okay? Right? How do you know? We have to read our Bibles. We have to read the Scriptures. That's that's God's revelation to us. It's his word. And in John, it actually talks about Jesus being the word. And so, the scripture is Jesus. It's the word. It's the truth. And I talked about that in my last sermon, how there's our subjective experiences versus God objective. Okay? And it doesn't mean you have to go out to school and you have to know everything, but it's about interacting with and getting truth inside of us and then taking that truth seriously and being honest with God about it and humbly letting him speak into our lives and transform us and change us. And if we're really honest with God and we actually read through Scripture and actually let him speak to us, it won't be as scary or as frightening as it may seem to you, right? It won't, you'll actually, I promise you, you'll actually come to love it and wish that you did it, had more time to do it. Because God is a father who loves us, right? Look at all the pictures that Jesus talks about in God and himself, right? He's a good shepherd. He goes after the one who's gotten lost, right? The woman who was caught in adultery, he didn't condemn her. He went, you know, across lakes just to free demon-possessed people, and, you know, went through, you know, like, 
the woman at the well in Samaria. The Jews did not talk to those people, but he didn't care because he wanted to go and see her and set her free and give her truth. Right? God is a God who loves you and wants to give you the truth so that you're no longer buying the lies that are holding you down. And it's not so you can be a free, awesome person, but it's so that you can actually be human and you can actually be who he made you to be because he has good things planned for you. He has a great life planned and prepared for you because he is a good God. But if we keep buying our own lives, we will never experience that and know that. But God is a God who loves. It says God is love. He's also the God of truth. And it's frightening because we have to be honest and admit that we're not perfect. But when we do, God is there saying, I love you. I'm pleased with you. I'm happy with you. Keep going. And that's when he can bless you and change you. And most of the time in the New Testament when it talks about blessing, it's not talking about more money. It's talking about more of Jesus. Because when we know Jesus and this begins to take place, that's when joy happens. That's when peace happens. That's when purpose happens, when you know why God made you and what you have to do. That's when life actually begins to make sense so that it doesn't matter what happens in your life. You're okay. Right? That's why people who, like Christians in other countries where they don't have the kind of money that we do, but they have Jesus, they're way more joyful and happy than we are. And it's because they know Jesus. Right? Whereas we're so caught up with all of our stuff that it takes us away from him. There's so many distractions. Our phones, our computers, the internet, everything. They distract us away from God. And we need to let him speak to us. And I think that this means, is, is, is what it means by, at least partially, to walk in the Spirit. And we see this, we talk about, we need to walk in the Spirit and abide in the Spirit, abide in Jesus, right? I think this is actually what it kind of looks like. We go and we learn some truth, we take it in, and then we are humble and honest about it, and we bring it into everything, our whole life, daily. The shows we watch on Netflix. God, what do you have to say about that? Right? You know, the, the, the business dealings I do at work, the thing I'm going to say to this person, the thing I just said to this person and now maybe I need to suck up my pride and apologize. All those types of things, right? When we actually begin to take the stuff that's in the Bible and that we hear on Sunday mornings and actually put it in our lives, then we are beginning to walk in the Spirit and walk with the Spirit. And God will actually change you and transform you. And from one year to the next, you will be a different person. And you won't even understand how you could have been that person before and you'll keep going. And it doesn't mean you'll be perfect and you won't mess up because that's the whole point is that we're broken and our deception is so deep that God had to actually come and sacrifice himself for us and show us and teach us the way and make it possible for us. Because the thing is, it's not just, it's not just truth, it's not just knowledge, right? The truth isn't just that it's knowledge that saves you, it's that it's God who saves you because he actually has to come in and make you alive again, spiritually, and transform you and give you a new heart and a new mind. Right? So the old is gone, the new has come. When you become a Christian, when you choose to believe in Jesus, he just transforms you and says, oh, you're not dead anymore, you're alive. And I've transformed you, you have a new heart, a new mind. That's why when you begin to follow God and then you try to go back to your old sins, your old patterns and old habits, they're not as satisfying as before. They don't do what they used to do for you because he's changed you and he's giving you a new heart and a new mind. Right? It's a wonderful life that God has called us to. 
that he is giving us. It's a wonderful, wonderful life. And it can literally transform you from the inside out completely, 100%. Because it's God. And because he says so. I think when God says that you were dead and now you're alive, that you were old and now you're new, he actually means it. Right? But our culture can't offer that and do that. Right? So it's hard for us to believe that it's really that great. It's really that good. But the gospel is that great of news. It's that good of news. It's the best news. And there's no, there's no secret formula. Like, I think the, the other thing, at least, that I struggled with um, from playing video games and watching TV and just everything in general is life is like a, is buttons. Buttons are the worst thing because we just turn things off and on and we just control the world with buttons. And it's just easy. We just click it and it changed. Turned on and off and did what I wanted it to, right? We don't have to work or do anything or think anything through. We don't have to go and, you know, start anything, right? We just turn a button. We can turn our cars on with a button now. Right? You don't even have to, like, go and unlock the car and turn the, the key handle. It just happens, right? And sometimes I think we expect God to change us in the same way that we push a button. God, I surrender to you. Please change me. Push the button. Turn me on, right? Transform me not quite like that it's every day and even when we mess up and forget about him for a couple days it's what are we going to do with that coming back to him and letting him transform us and change us as we go and it's a beautiful wonderful thing and i had the student i was talking to who was asking me about surrender he said does it work does it work absolutely it works i'm a different person than i was when i was in high school i am not so critical and judgmental. I'm not so insecure and depressed all the time. I'm not so worried about what other people think. I'm standing in front of people talking, which I wouldn't have done before. I am a different person. It took me longer than I think God wanted it to because I was really stubborn and proud. And even after he showed me, like my healing, I talk about being healed. God was actually dealing with my pride. And then he said, by the way, I love you. Uh, I'll heal you at the same time. Because what he did in that circumstance, for those of you who don't know, I used to be really allergic to potatoes and corn and lots of other things, and I'm not anymore. So on a missions trip in Bible college in my first year, and everyone seemed to have this crazy moment with the Holy Spirit, people getting baptized in the Spirit, speaking in tongues, people seeing visions, all kinds of crazy stuff going on. That The professors at the school who were like pastors and stuff were going, ah, I don't know what's going on. Even the professor who has altar calls in his classroom sometimes was going, I don't understand what's going on. It was like, it was ridiculous. And I'm sitting in the middle of it, nothing going on with me. Don't feel a thing. So I went off and prayed for three hours by myself. God told me, you're proud and you care too much about the experience than me. He said, no, go tell everyone that. I said, great, okay, all right. Well, I guess I kind of have to. I went and told everyone that. The next day, similar thing happened. Read a Bible college, crazy stuff started happening again. Translator walked away from a Haitian pastor and one of our students because when they prayed for each other, they prayed in each other's languages and understood each other. Like crazy things were going on. Again, not feeling anything. This pastor calls me over, says he wants to pray for me. This pastor, anytime he looked at people, they like fell over. So I'm walking over. He's praying for me. People are behind me, ready to catch me because, you know, it's going to happen, right? No, nothing's happening. Just standing there. 
And I just feel this whisper in my heart, just lay down. Just, just lay down on your own. So I just lay down on my own. I said, all right. They're trying to catch me, but I'm just like, no, I'm just going to, you know, like, sit down and lay over. Right? And as I'm doing that, he's praying for me. He's, like, standing over top of me, yelling stuff. And then I feel this sense of peace come over me. I almost didn't notice it because it's so peaceful. And uh, after a couple of minutes, I said, okay, this is cool. I'm going to get up now. And I couldn't get up. And it wasn't that I couldn't move. It's that it was like he was holding me down because I lifted my head two inches off the ground and it smacked back down. And then I couldn't lift it. And I could kind of like wiggle around, but I couldn't lift my legs or arch my back or those things. But I was fully conscious. I just couldn't move. Very strange. Okay? 45 minutes. Everyone's done. I can hear people complaining about me saying, well, someone just put him on the bus and let's just get out of here, right? They tried to move me. Two of my strong friends picked me up and were dragging me, and they had to put me down. They still talk about it because they're like, you got heavier and heavier and heavier, and we couldn't even drag you like five feet. So they left me in a chair, which was really uncomfortable. 45 minutes later, just randomly, I feel released. I get up, I go home. And during that time, I felt God speak very clearly, I'm healing you. And I said, yeah, right. And he said, I'm healing you. And I said, okay, what of? And he didn't say anything. So I grabbed a box of cornflakes, ate the cornflakes. Everyone celebrated. Then I had an allergic reaction, spent the night overdosing on Benadryl, feeling really sick. Okay? This is how proud I was. God had to do this to me. Okay? Should be really embarrassing that I'm telling everyone this. But it's not. The next day, same thing happens. People, people walk by me, they're like, we need to pray for you. I'm like, yeah, you need to pray for me. So they pray for me, I go down, can't get up. A couple, bunch of other crazy stuff happens. This guy who was also proud, got baptized in the Holy Spirit, he kept telling God, no, you're, I'm not going to get baptized in the Holy Spirit. No, I'm not. And he said, yes, you are right now. And by the way, you can only speak in tongues for the next like three hours. So he, would, he couldn't speak in English. He'd try. So he would come into the room as I'm like fighting against God to sit up because I'm stubborn. And I'm like, this is ridiculous. I want to get up and not lay here anymore. Um... And he would come in and start speaking English to me, and God's saying, I love you, I'm not done with you, lay down. I lay down. And then he would just go back to speaking in tongues, pick up his pen, and walk out. Then he'd come in for paper, same thing. Happened three times, and I finally, like, fine, I'll just lay here. And uh, when it finally went off, I went and found a quiet place, ate cornflakes, didn't have a reaction, haven't had a reaction since. Ate so many Doritos on the rest of that trip that I got sick of them. Came home, found a potato, licked it, because if I ate, like, if I so much as, like, touched it, I'd swell up and have to go to the hospital, had an EpiPen for it was fine. Pretend is my favorite food now. If you see me eating potatoes all the time, it's because for the first 19 years of my life, it would have killed me. And I, w- and I know I was still allergic to them because the, like the days before I went on the trip, I would have an allergic reaction to a Mars bar because of the corn syrup. I couldn't have a bite out of it without getting nauseous. Not like that anymore. But when I look at that experience, really awesome God healed me but he was dealing with my pride. Saying, you're not in control, I'm in control. I will do what I want. You can just lay here for a while. And you're not going to feel it the way that everyone else, you know, typically thinks they feel it, right? You get the emotions, right? Just No, it's just going to happen. And you're just going to sit there. Right? And I didn't get it after that. It took me a couple more years for him to really get it through my head and change me. That's the thing. You think something like that would change you? No. It did, but it took, still took God a while. But I say that... Actually, I don't know why I said that story. Maybe that's encouraging to someone. 
it's encouraging to me, is that the transformation is real. It actually takes place. It can actually happen. You can be totally new and transformed. There is no asterisk beside your name except for these things that you will always deal with for the rest of your life, right? And sometimes Satan uses that to say, um, the, 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 oh, it's just a thorn in my side. I can't seem to deal with it. Probably not. It's probably not the thorn in your side. It's probably just a lie, okay? The truth will set you free. And if Jesus sets you free and he says you're free, and he says you're free, by the way, he does say you're free, then you are free, okay? And we need to walk in it. And in Ephesians 2, it talks about how, we're, how we come from, from death into life. From that point on, anytime we live in sin and we live in lives, it's like we're just going and hanging out in a coffin. We're, we're not dead. We're alive. We can get up and walk. You know, life is different. And anything, when we go back to the old ways, it's less than, than, than who we are. All right? Sound good? Uh, Jerry, if you want to come back up. Just quickly as we, as we close this morning... I think it would be really, um, I think it would be really good, and I think the Holy Spirit is here speaking to us, if we just take a moment and actually uh, talk to him. And we're just going to take a few moments, the worship team is going to pray, and uh, I'm not going to call people up or do any of that sort of stuff, but I just want you guys to, could you guys just be honest with God for a moment, take a few minutes, and be honest with him, and surrender to him, and ask him to speak to you and what he has to say to you this morning because I think he's going to speak to people I think he already is so we're going to do that for a few moments and then we'll end with a really awesome song about God's love alright I'll just uh, let's pray Jesus I thank you that you are the truth I thank you that you are here with us right now through your Holy Spirit Holy Spirit I thank you that you are speaking to us and guiding us God that we are here for a reason that you have so much for us, God. And I just pray right now, God, that our hearts would be um, open to you, our minds would be open to you, God, that we would just be able to be honest with you right now and to just uh, to just take some time to listen to you.